When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome Podcast. Welcome to episode 73 of The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. I am not going to waste any time today. I am just going to jump right into it because I have another electric guest for you that I know you're going to love. But first, I do want to start with a few thoughts and a quick refresher. Again, these are just things that I'm thinking about. These are just things that happen to work for me. These are concepts that I employ as I continue to try to improve and become the best version of myself. And I'm guessing that you want the same thing or you would not be here. So... First things first, you need a mission, a purpose, a calling, and it has to be big. You have to play big. It has to be big enough that you can't wait to get out of bed in the morning and begin attacking that mission. And not just when you feel like it, and not just when you feel great, but every damn day. So how do you do that? By being obsessed with that mission. And then what if you're not obsessed with that mission? then get obsessed with being obsessed with that mission. And if you're not obsessed, or you can't get obsessed with being obsessed, then you haven't found your proper mission, or your proper calling yet, or you would be obsessed. So, why do you need a mission? Why do you need that mission? Because the mission gives you energy, ambition, and courage to take the big swings, and to take the massive action consistently that you need to change. Because the fact of the matter is, you will not fundamentally change your situation or your life until you start taking massive action every single day. And that also requires tactics, strategy, courage, and persistence. And having that mission provides all of that if you are truly committed, but only if you're truly committed. It also provides you your own personal AI, except with blood guts, and flesh. In other words, if you are truly connected to your mission, whatever that mission is, you will only do things, think things, consume things, and associate with people that are consistent with your mission. Anything that's incongruent with that mission gets torched. It's that cut and dried. It is that binary. So ask yourself hundreds of times a day, is this thought or action, or decision, or food, or drink, or spoken word, or attitude, bringing me closer to achieving my mission. If so, do it. Eat it. Drink it. If not, don't. Simple but not easy. Again, simple but not easy. Listen, there are so many mentors, coaches, speakers, authors, and other influencers that I admire people whose strategies that I employ. I mean, why wouldn't you take advantage of information or data or science that you weren't privy to previously that can help you get where you want to go? I do, period, full stop, of course. But now I want to give you something for free. I'm not selling you anything. I don't need your email address. I don't need your phone number. I don't need your credit card. I don't need anything at all. I'm giving this away. Here it is. You don't need anybody's permission or approval to be the best version of yourself. 
All you need is blood, guts, balls, sweat, and a mission. A mission along with strategies and tactics for achieving that mission. And a relentlessness attacking that mission. Every single day, every single hour, and make sure every single second counts. Every second counts and everything matters. Once again, simple but not easy. No shortcuts, no hacks, no magic pills, no magic injections, no complaining. Stop playing the victim. Get your mission, commit to your mission, become obsessed with your mission, and then act and think in accordance with that mission. Let it drive your decisions and your choices and stop floating through life without a plan, without a purpose. This is the kick in the ass that you need. It is go time, so let's bleeping go. Now, my guest today knows all about this, has lived this, and continues to live this. She is an absolute powerhouse, a killer entrepreneur, a successful author, incredibly sought-after keynote speaker, a personal coach, and frankly, one of the most dynamic people that I've come across in this space. She's not only all those things, but she had her job, her career, and her identity ripped from her suddenly and unexpectedly and had to completely start over and rebuild herself and her brand and do all of that as a single mother in her 40s. And she would tell you that it was the best thing that ever happened to her, not the worst. Once again, not the easiest thing, but the best thing. She's here to tell you exactly how she did it. I'm talking about Heather Monahan. Big hat tip to my dude, Jordan Montgomery, for introducing the two of us because I couldn't wait to meet Heather, and I know that you will feel exactly the same way once you hear this conversation. Trust me, Heather's message is exactly what many of us need to hear right now. It is episode 73 of The Reinvention Project with my guest, Heather Monahan, and it's coming at you right now. Heather, it is so great to meet you. Your journey to me is so fascinating and inspiring. I've been looking forward to this for quite some time, and I so appreciate you making time for the conversation. Heather, how are things? How are you? Things are great. Thanks for having me, Jim. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much. So I think to fully appreciate where you are right now and everything you've accomplished, we need to go back a few years and set the stage. No, no. In fact, we need to go back to the beginning. Heather, what were you like growing up, and what was your childhood like? Oh my gosh. Uh, so I grew up in Worcester, Mass, which for anyone listening who's not familiar, don't go. It's <laughs> like a very industrial B-rate city. Um, but I grew up really poor with a single mother who had four kids. And actually for a portion of my childhood, we lived in a trailer behind my grandparents' home. And my childhood was not great. It definitely was a struggle. However, I one beautiful thing that came out of it was I started a paper route when I was nine, started bussing tables by the time I was 13, waitressing when I was 15, bartending by the time I was 17, 18, and really learned my sales career You know, from the time I was nine years old on. Um, went to Clark University and uh, graduated and picked my career based upon who drove the nicest cars to the bar that I worked in. Um, they were in sales, so I figured, okay, I, sh- I need to get into sales. And... Um, 
that's really what launched my career. Bam, you nailed it. Like, as somebody who came up in radio, I saw the same thing, right? Like, when I got started, I noticed that it was not talent that was driving the nice cars. It was the salespeople that was driving the nice right. cars. So I kind of <laughs> got it in my head that, boy, if you could be good at sales, you could be good at anything. But I sucked at sales, and I tried really hard. <laughs> Heather, I want to circle back to this because I have so much respect for anybody who's good at sales. And I'll get back to it. And I want to say about my sales career because it was a train wreck. But from a business standpoint, <laughs> you you were actually in another industry entirely than you are right now where you're killing it. And, of course, it's what we're talking about. You were in the radio business. So fast forward ahead. What was your life like, say, five or seven years ago? Seven years ago, I was still in the radio business. I was a chief revenue officer of um, a pretty big, a top five radio company, and um, I was in charge of the revenue, the sales. So I'd come up in sales, as I mentioned, and I was really good at sales, thank goodness. So I went the natural progression from salesperson to sales manager to, um, you know, VP, EVP to chief revenue officer. And so I was doing really well. And I was named one of the most influential women in radio that year, seven years ago. And within 30 days later, I was fired. All right, so you're on top of the world. Like, you are working your plan. You're planning your work. You've got this grind. You've got this drive. You've got this work ethic. You're really good at it, and then all of a sudden, you're just fired. So when you work that hard, and you're – okay, let me backtrack. Fired for what? So I had worked for the same CEO at this company that I was working for at the time for 14 years. Uh, he was the one that advanced me and promoted me three times, and he became ill during my tenure there. And at the very end, he uh, was replaced by his daughter, who had previously been the chief uh, financial officer, the CFO. She was the only other female in the C-suite when I was there. And she had never liked me. And it was very obvious and very well known. But, you know, I made um, a grave decision. I, I remember thinking, well, I'll just focus on my lane, focus on what I do, and I'll ignore her, which was a, a bad decision. And she really grew in power as I ignored her and she ultimately getting the nod, you know, she got the nod for CEO. And the minute she got that nod, she called me over to her new um, office and, and fired me immediately. Clones, what do we do when we're craving protein or we need more energy? Let me answer that by telling you what we don't do. We don't reach for a bar or a sugary snack or an energy drink. No, we want beef, pure and simple. So where is the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Nope. Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. So it's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for their relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein, and it comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest that goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach, anywhere at all. Old Trapper is in a Clearview bag, so you can see the quality you're buying. So look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? 
So go back to that point, Heather. Why was that a bad decision? Like your thinking was, I can't control how she feels about me. She clearly doesn't like me. I'm just going to buckle down and control what I can control and keep grinding and producing, and the rest will take care of itself. Clearly it didn't. Why was it a bad decision on your part, in your mind, not to confront her with that? Here's what I've learned. I, I did confront her, quote unquote, confront. I don't know there was a confrontation. That sounds, you know, a little bit sure um, nasty or not nice. But I definitely had multiple conversations with her along that decade, you know, saying, listen, did I do something to upset you? I'm really confused as to why you don't answer my email or you didn't invite me to a meeting where we're talking about my team, you know, really ridiculous thing. So I did address those issues. I just didn't. I guess, escalate it to the level that now when I look back, I learned, like you learn from anything, I learned if somebody is disrespecting you, you have zero tolerance for that. You know, again, you want to address people in a private setting first, because maybe you are confused, maybe they, they're unaware, you know, there can be very neutral reasons for things to to occur and, and nobody, you know, be at fault. But I had done that. And it was very clear, the woman just didn't like me. And I should have made a bigger deal and escalated that because the reality is, if I was at a good company with a healthy environment, BS like that would not have been able to go on, right. And I knew somewhere inside me, that if I escalated it, she was a family member. I wasn't, even though we were a publicly traded company, that in the end, I was afraid she'd win out. And so I was afraid to escalate it to the level that I should have. And, you know, fear is something that not for everyone, but for me, had been had a stronghold in my life and had held me back from advancing myself and getting myself out of difficult situations that I never belonged in. The bottom line is this. Now, when I look back, you know, years later, I was in a toxic environment that was stifling my growth, did not want me to grow, did not advocate to invest in me, you know, was not trying to nurture or develop me. They were trying to hold me back and hold me down. And I should have left that company years ago. All right. So there's so many lessons in that. I would imagine also like if you're around somebody and I've heard you talk about this, if they do not respect you and it goes unchecked. And again, I know you tried, you tried, but probably she had already made up her mind. Did you have any idea at that time, though, the sort of damage it was doing to your self-esteem and your psyche and your confidence? No. And that was um, that was really the biggest hit. And no, you don't. I would think most people don't when it's happening because you're living more in survival mode. I'm, I'm a single mother and I built a very expensive lifestyle and I'm critically aware of that. Right. So to me, that fear of losing the money or that fear of what if I you know, am fired or am told I have to leave, where, will I, where do I go from here and can I flourish and advance somewhere else? So I was really driven by fear. And due to that, I became a B-rate version of myself. I, I remember thinking maybe if I dim my light a little bit, maybe if I am, am not so you know, outgoing, maybe if I dial it down a little, maybe then she'll feel more comfortable. But the reality is when you're a threat, you will, will always be a target. And that's not about you. That's about the other person. And so as I developed and changed myself into a B-rate target version of me, I only allowed her to grow in power and me to really become just a, a an insecure version of myself, which was awful. And it, it ultimately an, ended up manifesting in I threw my back out and I started losing my hair. So I physically, it had already impacted me mentally and throughout my confidence, but it, I still didn't change. And then ultimately physically, I, I took a hit right before I got fired. And I remember laying there, I'd never had back problems. I'm super healthy. I work out like a maniac my whole life. 
and I remember thinking, what is, I'm losing hair and I am, I'm in back pain, literally in traction. I had to go to the hospital. What happened to me? And, and that's when I started really getting this, you know, message that, wait a minute, something's so wrong that I'm grinding my teeth at night, that now my hair's falling out, that now my back went out. This is, you know, my body telling me that it's breaking down due to the situation I'm allowing to go on around me. Wow. I mean, wow. So you talk about this also, and this is part of it. You are huge on the importance of firing your villains. She clearly was a villain. You want to eliminate that from your life. But generally, which villains are we talking about and why do they have to go? Oh, gosh, any villain has to go from your life. And and what I've learned is, and this is a perfect example, just this one quick story. When sure. this woman thought she fired me, I had actually fired my number one villain from my life. And it created this space for positive people to start showing up. Within just a couple of weeks, Elvis Duran ended up asking me on his show, which changed the complete trajectory of my life. But that man would not have shown up because there wouldn't have been space for him in my life if I was, you know, dominated by this negative person. And that is the truth for anyone. I've seen it happen to so many different people. Oftentimes it doesn't have to be a big, nasty villain at work. It can be a sneaky villain, someone that, you know, I had a good friend that over the years, I'd realized when I would go to lunch with her, I'd walk in feeling great. And by the time I'm leaving lunch, I felt awful about myself. You know, that person that gives you disparaging looks or is maybe passive aggressive or pretends they're really in your corner, but they just happen to be in your circle. They're not really your champion. And I remember having this realization and saying, you know what, I'm not going to make time anymore for people that I don't feel are helping to lift me up, but are actually taking me down. And and I severed ties with that person, not in a big fight way, just I didn't have, you know, available time for her and and we went our own way. I wish her well, but removing sneaky villains like that can have a really profound impact too. But the the biggest villain I've ever encountered in my life, and typically this is the same for everyone, it's the villain that lies between your own two ears. What okay, explain that. That's awesome. What how does that person show up? And then what do you do with that person? Like, what's the danger in that villain? Well, I mean, you listen to your own thoughts and you sit with your own thoughts more than you sit with any other human in your lifetime or in any given day. That is just fact, right? And and sadly, the majority of our thoughts are negative. So no matter who you are, you can be the most positive Pollyanna that's out there. You're still having more negative thoughts in a day than you are positive. And many of us, instead of encouraging ourselves through our thoughts and through our silent dialogue, we're actually beating ourselves up. We're putting ourselves down. We're full of shame and retelling old stories that aren't even true or based in fact. You know, we're letting fear dominate our dialogue and our narrative. So for me, that was absolutely the biggest villain I've ever encountered is the one that, you know, resides in my head. And and I've worked really, really hard at, first of all, the first step is just being aware, right? So uh, journaling was a powerful tool for me. I've journaled my uh, since college. And so I'm able to go back and reflect upon, wow, back then my thoughts were dominated with this, with this, with this, and look what reality ended up being. And so just through reading and rereading my journals over the years, that's been a really empowering experience for me to learn. I can actually change the direction of my life, my business, my career, through my thoughts. And so having that self-awareness, number one, and then two, an intention and and being deliberate about what you're going to allow for. I stopped allowing for these crazy stories. I remember growing up, I had a really smart sister. She had scored a perfect score on the SATs. And so 
when we were kids, she was called the smart one. I was called the social one. Well, I mean, that was a way that, you know, and a lot of parents do this, but for that child that's deemed, you know, social, you see yourself as second rate. And so I always thought I'm not smart and I'll never forget during the pandemic, I got a DM from a professor at Harvard and I thought I was getting punked. Like I thought Ashton Kutcher was going to jump out from behind the scenes somewhere because there was no way Harvard would want me to teach. Come to find out, I had to ask, you know, I'm inquiring as to why you'd like me to uh, teach it at Harvard. And he explains to me, Heather, I'm an old white man. I teach sales and sales um, leadership, and I actually haven't been in sales in years. I've been a professor for so long. It would be so impactful for my students to have access to not only a female leader, but somebody who's doing it in real time, who understands the complexities of social media and what's happening relevant to today, the things that I'm missing in business. And so I literally had to put on this man's rose colored glasses that he saw me through and, and make that leap and take that chance and go to Harvard and, and teach. And it ended up being this incredible experience for me that just reminded me, we've got to let go of these labels and stories we tell ourselves from our childhood, because if I had hung on to them anymore, I was literally going to hold myself back from incredible experiences that were presenting themselves to me. U.S. Cellular knows how important your kids' relationship with technology is, and they have made it their mission to help them establish good digital habits early on. That's why they have partnered with Screen Sanity, a nonprofit dedicated to helping kids navigate the digital landscape. And for a smarter start to the school year, U.S. Cellular is also offering a free basic phone on new eligible lines, providing an alternative to a smartphone for kids. Start smarter with with U.S. Cellular. Visit uscellular.com slash built for us to find out more. Restrictions to apply. Visit uscellular.com for terms. All right, so Heather, I've known you 15 minutes. I think you're brilliant already, but I want to ask you this. Like, obviously, that Harvard professor was onto something, and he knew exactly what he was asking. When you first got that, and even when you realized that it was not Ashton Kutcher on the other side of that, you were not getting punked, it was a legitimate request. Did you have any imposter syndrome within when that first one happened, when that first happened? And then if so, what did you do with that? Yeah, I mean, here's what I've learned. And, and that was a great example of imposter syndrome because like I said, first of all, I had to put on his ro rose colored glasses. Anytime I start doubting myself, literally I would think, how does he see me? Why does he see value in me? I can see that same value for myself. I could understand that and process it, but I still doubted myself and felt like a fraud. But here's what I learned. I was actually putting Harvard on a pedestal. Right. And if you envision that on your mind, we've all put someone or something on a pedestal at some point in our life. But that I had to give myself pause for a moment and realize, you know, at that point in time, it was 2021 or whatever year it was. And I'm thinking all we talk about is equality in the world. And, and I have a son and I'm always talking about we treat everybody the same. It doesn't matter where they're from, from how much money they have, what they look like. It doesn't matter. People are equal. And I realized heading into teaching at Harvard, if I keep them on a pedestal, I'm not living this truth that everyone should be treated equally. Because in fact, if I'm putting others on a pedestal, I'm putting myself and others beneath them. And that makes me a real fraud. So when I decided to own that, that, you know what, I don't believe in pedestals anymore. Blow up the pedestals. We're all on fair ground where we all have different strengths, different weaknesses, different backgrounds, but we're all equal. So I, I owned that. And then the other thing that I owned that was very helpful with imposter syndrome was this realization that 
if I try to show up with glasses on and my hair in a bun and, you know, dressing a certain way that I think Harvard wants me to, that's the only way that I could actually be an imposter. If I show up hmm. rocking my ripped jeans and wearing my hair the way that I want and acting the way that I want, I can never be an imposter. So the only way you'll ever be an imposter is if you show up with somebody other than yourself. All right. So very clearly, you've found this new thing and you were just absolutely killing it, as I mentioned. But if we were to go back when you were fired. So imagine you work because it's happened to most of us. It's happened to me. It's happened to a lot of our listeners. You work so hard. You're so successful. It becomes a part of your identity. And then suddenly it's ripped from you and you're unexpectedly fired and you don't yet know what the next thing is. What was that time like? How dark did that get? And then secondarily, how did you get leverage on yourself and start to dig out? That was horrible, Jim. Right. I mean, that was, I had never been fired before. I thought I was unfireable mm. because I thought everything was just about, you know, what you produce and, and outcome and, and results. And so in my mind, I couldn't get fired. So I, I, first of all, I had to grasp reality. That was really hard that it had truly happened. I, I was struggling with that. But then I remember I likened it to getting divorced. I thought nobody's calling me, which means nobody knows that I've been fired, which means this lady's hiding it for some reason as a new CEO. She doesn't want the street to know that she got rid of her chief revenue officer. And that's what gave me the realization that if nobody knows I'm struggling, if nobody knows I'm available, like getting divorced, no one's going to ask you out. So I decided to post to social media a day later. I've just been fired. If I've ever done anything to help you, I need you to help me now. I need to hear from you today. And that post went viral. And I had literally thousands of people reaching out, telling me their stories of getting fired, asking how they could help me. And I learned a really powerful lesson in that experience. Always convert opportunity in the moment. Don't wait a week or two to when you want to circle. But, you know, if someone's offering you an olive branch, take it. And say thank you and be grateful and ask for something specific. And, and that's exactly how I landed on the Elvis Duran show was someone from his team reached out and said, if I can ever help you in any way, let me know. I said, great, get me on the show. <laughs> and so each one of those conversions, you know, each even if I just said to someone, great, leave me a review of my work since we worked together on my LinkedIn wall to support me. Great. Introduce me to so-and-so at this company. I know you're friends with him. Maybe he could open a door. You know, I would just ask for these random asks when people would say, if there's something I can do, let me know. I'd ask and they would do it. And that experience was really positive because it just showed, number one, you're not alone. So many people have been fired and been in dark times. But number two, strong people ask for help and and capitalize on that moment when, you know, a lot of people have empathy. A lot of people want to help because they've been there. Give them that opportunity to help you and convert that into that next opportunity to move you forward. All right. So, I mean, clearly, Heather, you are a great salesperson and you are a closer and you understand the importance of asking for the order. All of that said, all of that said, how scary was it to start over, in this case, reinvent yourself completely in your early 40s as arguably as a novice or a beginner? What was that like for you? Well, most people don't understand this. In order to get into the C-suite at a publicly traded company, you're probably going to have to do what I had to do, which was I had to sign an 18-month non-compete, non-solicit. And what that means is if you're terminated, you quit anything, you're bounced out of the industry of expertise. And, you know, I had over 20 years experience in the radio and media industry. So I had an 18-month window that I had to go somewhere else and do something else and start over as a beginner. And that was petrifying because I... It made me sit down and really analyze, wait a minute, am I 
good and, and successful because of the title I had? Am I good and successful because of the team I had? Because of the industry I'm in? Because of the network I have in that industry? Like I had to question everything because it all disappeared overnight. But that's when I learned, and, and I, I pray people hear me with this one, the real value within you, no one can take, right? No one can take your expertise. Forget if I can't be in radio or media. I can take my expertise, what made me successful there, and apply it to selling books, to selling podcasts, to, to creating speeches. It doesn't matter. Your expertise is going to parlay into a variety of different places, different industries. You just need to pick your head up and start identifying what it is that you're good at, what, what it is that you like to do, and start testing and trying in a messy way to figure out what that path is, knowing you don't have that answer on day one, that's fine, but you've got to trust and have faith that you will figure it out as you continue to take action and move forward. All right, so that was so important. I really do hope that they did listen to that. And if not, they should go back and listen to it again, which brings me, Heather, to the next point. You're somebody who believes done is better than perfect. It seems self-evident, but for those who don't know, explain what that means, because I think that applies exactly to what we're talking about here. Okay, that's a, a, well, that's like one of my mantras. And I've lived my whole life like that. And I've had plenty of people, that woman that fired me, she believes in perfect, not done. And so it's it's interesting. For me, I, I will always be the person that wants to, and this is an exercise I do for myself. If I fast forward to my deathbed and ask myself the question, this is an example um, that someone could ask me, if you're thinking of writing a book, which I was, you know, back when I got fired, I thought, okay, would I rather be the person on my deathbed that has a book out in the world might not be perfect, but it's out there and maybe it helps some people. Or would I rather be the person on my deathbed saying I had this book inside me and it still is because I just couldn't get it right. Hmm. And I, when I go through that exercise, I think to my, I'm never going to be that person that's saying I didn't do it because not number one, that's selfish, right? You're helping nobody if you don't create anything. And who are you? You're, you're showing up as like a portion of who you could be, not living your life to, to the fullest. So I wrote that book, my first book, Confidence Creator. It has three mistakes in it. And P I self-published that one. And people will say to me or I'll get DMs, hey, do you know you wrong aged your son in that book? And I always write back, yes, I did. And I'm so proud of it because I actually have a book out there in the world and I've received thousands of DMs and reviews on how it's helped people so much. I'm super proud of that. So I, I always you know, run that litmus test of done will always be better than perfect. And the only way that you're going to be able to analyze success or feedback is by creating something and putting it out there. You can't do it by holding it in your head in this perfect fashion. Besides, perfect doesn't exist. Perfect is just a veil for fear. And the more we strip that away and look at it for what it is, the less attractive it is. Mm. So I'm not proud of this fact, but you're talking about a book. I've been circling a book for years and years and years and years, and I have an author, and we talk about it, and the format changes, and we're still talking about it. It's not done. It's not getting done. I'm not proud of that fact. I'm really curious, Heather, your process, did you just, once you decided, right, you decided, you committed, did you yourself just sit down and write that book? And how long did that take? I'm really curious about that process. Oh my gosh. Okay. We're reverse engineering your book launch, by the way, right yeah. now. And we're doing it publicly. And I love this because this is what most people need. So for me, Elvis Duran spoke a belief into me. He said, you're writing a book. I said, okay, this guy's, you know, light years ahead of me. All right. If he thinks I can do it, I can do it. I jumped on a plane. Get ready for this, Jim. I Googled, how do you write a book? <laughs> and here's what it says. I'll save you the time of going to Google. P.S. A young person said to me the other day, oh my gosh, you didn't have AI back then. 
which Incredible. I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, really funny. Okay. But I was able to make it with Google. Thank goodness. And so basically it says this, and I saved the papers. I have them in my office. Actually, uh, it says something like this. You need to sit down and write. And so I deduced, I've been fired. I really have nothing else to do. I can sit down and write. And so it was like, they gave you in this article, I don't know, five hours a day. So it was something, it doesn't matter, but you just had to be disciplined and sit down and write every day. So at first, the first couple of days, I wrote about how much I hated the lady. And then it started morphing into other times in my life where I felt this level of upset when I was cheated on, when I got divorced, you know, all these different life experiences where things hadn't gone the way I thought they should. And I was really let down, discouraged and feeling defeated. And then I started looking at patterns. Wait, how did I bounce back that time? How did I bounce back this time? And then it became clear to me. I was writing a roadmap to build and rebuild confidence within people because that's what I had done my entire life. And so once I saw that writing was easy, I did it really quickly. And then like anything, okay, you get so far and you say, I need to invest in myself. I've got to hire somebody who's done this before because I'm the blind leading the blind. I don't know where I'm going, right? I'm just writing, which is great. But then how do I advance that? And there's got to be some tips and tricks. Like how do you upload to Amazon? I don't have any of those answers. So I went to social media again. I found an editor. I invested in myself, spent some money with him. He said, email me everything you have. And I did. And within a couple of weeks, he had a whole format. This is what he does. He's written 19 books. So he came right back to me and said, okay. And it it was very quick that it happened. And he said, this is the format I think we move forward with. I said, okay, I agree. I get it. He said, we're going to structure the book like this. He said, I need you to fill in here because he could see things, blind spots I didn't understand. He's like, nobody knows who that person is. You're acting like we know who this person is. Flesh this out. Give this some context. Give this some make your points crystallize at the end of each chapter. I didn't know to do that, right? So he taught me these things. He was the expert who was mentoring me and I made the investment in it. And the book was done within five months and uploaded to Amazon. And the first week it came out at Trump, Donald Trump for number one on the business autobiography list. Incredible, incredible. What an amazing story and how inspiring. What a great, great anecdote. I mean, good on you. You know, I think, Heather, when you look at this, like you, you mentioned confidence, right? Like confidence and self-esteem are so critical. You're not getting anywhere in life without it. So if somebody, and, and how many people struggle with this, if you don't currently have it, what is the process for developing confidence? I'm not looking for a shortcut. I'm not looking for a hack. But where, what's the, where do you start if you're not confident and you want to be more confident? How do you get it? Okay, well, I'm going to use you as an example in this micro example, and then I'll give a bigger picture example. So for you right now, not having confidence in writing a book, I would suggest reverse engineering it, announcing on social media, on your podcast, I am writing a book and giving yourself a deadline. Once you do that, you take ownership of it every day and every moment, you're either going to be creating more confidence within yourself as you take steps to write, as you take steps to find an editor, as you take steps to hold this as a truth in your life, or you're going to choose to chip away at the confidence by not taking those steps. The beauty of reverse engineering and going live on social and podcasts with this is people are going to start DMing you. They're going to hold you accountable. So not only do you hold yourself accountable because you want to create more confidence and be trustworthy to yourself, which is really powerful, but you also have enlisted thousands of accountability partners to remind you every day, oh, this is where I'm going. This is a commitment I made, and I'm going to feel so good about myself when it's done. So that's your book, Confidence, right there. Thank you very much. It's exactly, (laughs) you know what, you know what, it's funny, right? When you keep 
promises that you make to yourself, you increase competence and confidence. It's funny like that, right? It's so true, though, and people don't realize that. So, so bef- yeah, go ahead. For please. others, I would say, you know, other than that micro example of the book, everyone's a little bit different. There isn't a one pill for confidence. I liken it to going to the gym, meaning, okay, I'll use myself as an example. I love running. I love spinning. I love aerobic exercise, right? So if I'm going to get involved in the gym, I need to look forward to things that I'm excited about and I'm going to move towards those things. I'm going to give myself a goal. I'm going to give myself an end date. I'm going to listen to accountability partner. All these same things you need to do with confidence. I'm going to weigh in on day one. I'm going to create a vision and goal for day 30 and beyond. I'm going to check in with myself. I'm going to look at the action steps. I'm going to look at the things I'm removing from my life and the things I'm adding to my life. You know, you look at all of these things. Now, when it comes to confidence, some people like I was, are going to have a really negative person in their life. And part of that workout routine is removing the negative people from your life. Other people are going to be, it's sort of like me. I love the um, running portion of working out. I don't love the weights. Well, if you're an accountant by trade, but you hate it and you love painting and that's your passion, you're not going to be excited every day. You're not going to be feeling like your strongest, best self every day. So you've got to find ways to incorporate the things that you love to do in your nights and weekends until you can build a plan to get you out of that 95, nine to five job and get you into something that you love to do. Right. So that person's got a different challenge than the person that's married to someone who's putting them down all the time. But these are all, all of these things affect your confidence and affect how you, how you think about yourself and how you show up on the daily investing yourself and making yourself a priority is a huge one. And that's making a conscious decision, having an intention every day that you're going to put yourself first, because until you start doing that, you're not going to show up as the best mother, the best wife that you can be and start giving back to others. So many specifically women have that back backwards where they're miserable, they're tired, they're out of shape, they're feeling really low on themselves but they haven't realized the reason why they're doing that is not because anyone's making them, but because they're making the decision to put others ahead of them. Mm. Pump the brakes on that one right now. Make the commitment for the next 30 days to put yourself first, put that oxygen mask on you like they tell you on the airplane. Don't hand it to the toddler. Put the oxygen mask on you, save yourself first, and then start saving all the people around you. You you are an absolute absolute goldmine of information. Heather, before you go, I want to ask you, and I don't want to be too personal, and I don't want to be, I want to be very respectful when I say this. We, my wife and I have two kids. One just graduated college. One just went to college. You've been a single mother. This is not easy. None of this is easy. I just want to ask you, what is your son like? <gasps> He's incredible. I, I have to tell you, my Please. It's the most, I I am more proud of my child than anything in the world. And you know, it's funny. I have my podcast creating confidence with Heather Monahan and I've been doing solo episodes now for almost two years. And it's funny the past couple of months, every time I do a solo episode, I'm telling a story about him. And it's not only because I'm proud of him. I'm also in awe of him. And I, I know anyone feels this way about, you know, your own children. I'm sure you do is that journey of where they've been. My kid during the pandemic was depressed. His dog died. He lost sports. He was isolated and learning. I mean, I, I saw him struggle so much during that window of time. And I remember thinking, is this ever going to change? You know, I got him a therapist and I, I didn't know what else to do, but walk away from work and spend more time with him, trying to pour into him, not knowing how to get out of this situation. 
fast forward a few years, my son just got his license last week. He's so he's so independent. He's so confident. He's thriving in basketball. He's a vision board for the NBA in his bedroom that he created and came up with. Not me, by the way. He's got an incredible relationship with God. He reads the Bible every night. My son is just, he blows me away and he speaks truths into me. He knows me better than anyone. Whenever I'm freaking out about something at work, he'll always say to me, mom, this is God's way of teaching you about patience. The more you surrender and let go, you're going to see things will come together. You've got to have faith. And it's just, it's been such an incredible journey with me watching his growth and, and, um, and just being so proud of him. <laughs> that is beautiful. That really is amazing. All right. So Heather, one last thing about sales before I let you go, because, and I did try this and I really wanted to be good at it and I was terrible at it. And for years and years and years, because here's what I did. I tried to sell dictation equipment. Ah! failure. Try to sell telephone systems. Even worse at that. Try to sell radio time. I cannot even tell you. Like You probably, maybe on some level, maybe early in your career, or maybe never because you're so gifted, but I can't tell you this. You know what it is? is The life of a salesperson who is cold calling and prospecting and in a territory they hate with a product they don't believe in and they don't believe in themselves. You know how it is. Friday, when you're young. Friday is incredible because you don't have to deal deal with that anymore. Hit happy hour, hang out. Saturday morning's pretty good still. Saturday afternoon's good. Saturday night's great. Then all of a sudden Sunday, the dread starts oh. because you know it's going to start again. And I would sit yeah. there Sunday nights, Heather, in bed, dreading going into the office, knowing I had a zero on the board. I went through that life. That's part of why I think I made it in radio. I had to get away from that life. I knew I, I couldn't survive. I couldn't exist. So I went all in on this. However, the reason I tell you this one, out of respect to you and anybody who's good at sales. Number two, you do. I, I did study it really hard. I read every book. I took Dale Carnegie. I read Zig Ziglar, Tom Hopkins, like everything. But I have so many takeaways from it that I applied to my radio and TV life. But one of my favorites, and I know you use this, it's not how many no's, it's how many yeses, and all you need is one big yes. Does that not apply to almost everything we do? It applies to everything. And I just did a post on LinkedIn today about this. A closed mouth doesn't get fed. You can't assume (laughs) people know what solution you're offering or what problem you can solve for them. And don't be so presumptuous that you think you have the answer for them. Oh, no, they don't need this. So I'm not going to offer to them. Selling is helping. And the more that we can solve problems for others, the better we make the, the world, right? So stop sitting with a closed mouth, assuming that we can decide for other people and start showing people how we can help them, how we can solve problems for them and how we can help improve their lives. And when you put yourself in that situation, you can feel really good and excited about what you're going out to do. You're not thinking about a no, you're thinking about imagine that one person when I get that yes and what I can do for them, it's really exciting. Heather, I got that big yes when you said you would come on this podcast. I think you are more extraordinary than I thought. I want to ask you this. What is the best place for our listeners to go if they want to learn more about your company, how to get your best-selling books, how to reach out to you as a keynote speaker, how to maybe engage with you as a personal coach? Essentially, anything and all things Heather Monahan. where do they go? I'm at Heather Monahan on all social media. My website is heathermonahan.com. My podcast is Creating Confidence with Heather Monahan, and you will find everything at all of those locations. I think you're absolutely amazing. I'm so inspired and fired up. It is so awesome to meet you. And listen, I have so much respect for your time. Thank you so much, Heather, for all of that time and an absolutely awesome conversation. Jim, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate you. 
bam. I mean, so good, so relatable, because most of us have been through something like this. Most of us have had a job or a passion or a relationship or something else that we completely poured ourselves into only to have it ripped from us. And it wasn't just the thing that was ripped, but it was our identity as well. And with it, our confidence, our self-esteem, our mojo, our swagger, our energy. And there were probably days where you thought, man, how am I going to get over this? When am I going to feel like myself again? How do I find my way back? What if I can't? What if this is bigger than me? I'm here to tell you, it's not. It's not. It's not unless you let it be. If you're above ground, you can still fight. So freaking fight. Whatever you're going through, folks have been through so much worse and they have come out the other end so much better. What I'm saying is you're stronger than whatever it is you're going through right now. And if it means starting over, even later in life, then do that. Heather did in her 40s, and she is absolutely killing it, even more so now than she even did when she was a top producer in another industry. Listen, I'm not saying that what you're going through isn't hard. I know it's hard. I'm saying nobody is coming to save you. Others are depending on you, and it's time to stop playing the victim, get the hell up off the mat, and battle. One step, one choice, one decision, one workout, one task, one hour at a time. Take responsibility for your situation, for your life, and rebuild yourself. Move, work out, eat clean. Don't drink this weekend. Do things that make you feel awesome, not things that you'll end up beating yourself up over. Dominate your day, then get up and do it again and stack those days. You can do this. You can do this, but it is time. You're on the clock. We all are. It is time to do the work. It's time to go to work on yourself and do hard things. I'm telling you, you got this. You got this if you commit to this. As always, thanks so much for listening, and please be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never have to go looking for each episode. It will find you instead. And if you don't mind, I would love for you to leave a review, as that always helps too. I appreciate you all very, very much, more than you will ever know, and I will catch you next time right here on The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.